feeling that you're not very interested. <laughs> uh, well, not really, to be honest. Because <laughs> I know we mentioned at the end of last week's podcast that I'd had this very traumatic experience with a wasp. And at the time you were just like, I got to go. I got things to do. But we have spoken since we did the podcast last week before now. Yes. And you haven't asked about it once. No, because, well, <laughs> talk, talk me through that. I mean, how traumatic can it be? It's very you were traumatic. probably stung by a wasp. No, no, I wasn't probably, I was. Well, I, I don't know the details because I haven't asked. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming you were stung by a wasp. It was a bit painful and now you're okay. No, it's very painful. And a bit of the, the sting was left in. And this woman with some sort of pliers, straight clippers slash knife at some pharmacy was trying to dig it out. You see, now look, look on your face. Now you're slightly concerned and, and thinking maybe you should have asked. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> that sounds like a splinter. Okay, <laughs> like it's a, it's a poisonous splinter. Filling okay, my body sting. with poison. It's a sting. It's not going to kill you. It's okay. It was very, very painful. I, I just, I think that's the thing. I think people think, oh, you know, they talk about the podcast and then they've actually been talking about it. But I suddenly realised you haven't actually asked. And we've no. spoken every day since. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, something I am going to tell you about is a traumatic experience I had yesterday. Oh, okay. A new, oh, a new one. Right. Is this actually <laughs> traumatic or is this I this stubbed is, my toe? Okay. For, for, for parents, especially mothers of school-aged children, they will understand the trauma of buying school shoes. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I'm sure that's it's, challenging, especially with two. No, it's it's a horrible experience. And there's a, in the UK, there's a well-known shoe shop. I imagine you even know the name without me saying. A well-known shoe shop that most people go to for school shoes. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. So I think it's Monday. It's early. Let's take the fellas along. Let's go in and get some school shoes. Yes. Right? So we go along and there's a queue outside the shop. And I know we're dealing in different times with coronavirus and you can't have as many people in the shop then a woman comes out and says do you have an appointment and I was like uh no she said we're fully booked all week this is Monday all week wow so you didn't get school shoes well no then she said sometimes you know when you go to like a meat counter at a supermarket they give you a ticket yes yeah so she said well you can take a ticket if someone doesn't turn up you can come in and I thought I sort of dug my heels in because it's such a horrible experience so we waited and we were very lucky we got in because then it started raining. But then once we were in, you know, one of the boys wasn't interested. He wandered off. This other one was trying to put shoes on. Then she couldn't find the a very, very traumatic experience buying school shoes and gym shoes. But it's done. But again, it, it doesn't sound that traumatic. It sounds like you had to queue oh. and then you bought some shoes. Okay. <laughs> Someone. Okay. <laughs> Wow. Someone listening out there who has children of school age, more than one that they've had to take at the same time. To, you've got to measure their feet. They've got to sit yeah. still. They've got to like the shoe. They've got to like walk up the shop. One of the twins had to go for a walk, walked up the shop, walked out of the shop. Look, <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. He <laughs> left the shop with brand new shoes. I'm like, come back. You've got to come back into the shop. And a friend of mine was outside. So he came back in and then and obviously now with this new rule you can't really go near anyone and there's got to be less people it's very was it as traumatic as the wasp sting i would say on a very similar level but very different kind yeah, of trauma. so they're both not very traumatic 
That's what, very that's, traumatic. That's my. I tell you what, I don't get. Do you know what? You shouldn't come any, to me for sympathy. Uh, but no, you know what? And I should have learned that. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why I still try and get sympathy for. But one day you're going to understand. You're going to say to me, "God, I've got to go school shoe shopping." And you know what? I'm not going to be there for you. <laughs> <laughs> All the support, the, the emotional support I will be needing on that day. You, you'll abandon me. No, by this point, however many years, my children can go and buy their own shoes. I'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, I've blocked it out. I don't deal with school shoe shopping anymore. But the other thing, and it wasn't, it's was actually quite a busy day. So we got through the, the shoe shopping trauma. And then something that was actually quite traumatic for other people, but not really oh, for me. Oh, I mean, if you were going to say another <laughs> traumatic thing happened, I just I can't. But it wasn't traumatic. I can't. But it was, was um, Simona Halep, who... Oh, right. Okay. Was, ...was officially... <laughs> I'm so glad this has gone back to tennis. <laughs> ...who officially said, and we kind of thought this might be the case, that she wasn't travelling to New York. I think if you were a betting person... I mean, I would have put a fairly hefty sum on the fact with all the noises that were coming out of the camp, she wasn't going to go. And it was interesting. I got some messages from media outlets. You know, we sometimes do like radio, some TV interviews on tennis bits. And it was interesting. It was either one message was, I'm not sure if this is a big story and whether we should cover it. And then I got another message saying, this is enormous. This is the world number two. This is the Wimbledon champion. I mean, basically, the US Open is now over. So it was really interesting that I either that had... literally the difference between my version of your traumatic stories and yours. <laughs> like, is this really a thing? And then you say, this is the worst thing ever. It's over. <laughs> okay, so, so where are you on this one? Because last week I said to you, for me, Simone Halep is not going to Flushing Meadows. So yesterday when I was getting these messages, I was like, this isn't a thing. This was... So when the news officially came through, were you kind of like wow, this is the tournament is damaged, it's terrible, or was it just business as normal? Well, I don't know. I suppose I view it slightly differently. I mean, I agree. It was not a surprise that she pulled out. Yeah, We kind of hoped that she would feel confident enough and safe enough. But she mentioned looking after her own mental health, and I think that's a really valid reason, you know, to go and be stressed and anxious and uncomfortable. There's no way you're going to play your best tennis in that situation anyway. So, you know, why why bother with it? Um, but then also we had Andreescu pulling out. For me, was bigger news. She's defending champion, and that meant that we have lost both defending champions. Am I yep. right? Yep. I'm right. Yep. I'm, I'm you sure. are right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> lost both defending champions. I was just suddenly trying to remember what happened in the final last year. I'm like, did Medvedev do it? I can't remember. <laughs> he definitely didn't. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so we've lost both defending champions. So for me, that was a bit more of a bigger story. But, um, but of course, Halep is a bigger name. She's far more established. She won Wimbledon last year. The British press know her a lot better than they know Andrescu. I mean, I don't think Andrescu's won a match at Wimbledon yet, has she? She didn't play last year. And then I don't think she, she wouldn't have got in the year before. So the British public wouldn't know who she is. Uh, but I suppose for us, that was maybe a little bit bigger. And then when you put them together, and we've had a, f a few withdrawals from that top 10, a few threats for the title. Um, yeah, it, it, that kind of feels like more of an impact. But is the US Open over? No, it hasn't started yet. <laughs> I, I, I think the main thing, and something I said yesterday, the fact that as we speak, which is Tuesday... Um, the US Open is happening. That's a win. That 
at the moment that's just a win the fact that we've tennis. got a, we, we, we've not just got tennis but we have a grand slam that at the moment is happening players have started to arrive to be in the sort of cincinnati us open bubble i think is i think is massive and i think for simone Halep also she she released a statement saying i've always said my health comes first and it's about that and with the new rankings situation so the likes of Rafa Nadal doesn't feel comfortable. Also, he cannot better his points from last year because he won it, right? So he's not going to do anything there. For Halep, though, she lost in the second round last year. So it really is about her health, about how safe she feels, her team feels. She pulled out of Palermo because she didn't feel quite right about it all. She went to Prague. And I think also that's... I'm not saying no one has travelled from Prague and coming into the... US Open bubble, but a lot of those play. What is happening where you are? I can hear alarms. <laughs> Sorry, the bins what? are being collected. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. The windows are closed. I've got double glazing. All I can hear is kind of alarms and things going thing. on. I'm thinking, what is taking place where you live? Oh my word. It's busy. They should move along soon enough. <laughs> but I think, especially with Simona Halleck, when she made that decision to go to Prague to come back on the clay, she won Prague. I think for me, for a lot of people, all roads were for Roland Garros. All, I think, although yes. she waited till yesterday to officially say, pull out and say, I'm not playing. I think, wasn't it when she signed up for Prague? I think that was that was her route. Yeah, and I think winning it almost like reinforced that she didn't need yep. to go to the US yeah, Open. Yeah. She's won a tournament on clay. She's feeling pretty good. She's at a massive advantage when it comes to the clay court season now above everybody else, as if she wasn't already because she's Simona Halep and is amazing on clay. Um, so I think for her, it it just it just seems to make sense. It doesn't seem like a strange decision. It doesn't seem like an irrational decision. It seems like it was well thought out. She, of course entered just to see if any of the situation changed and see if she felt differently about things but ultimately she won in Prague you know picked up a title already and is looking pretty good and you know why not just stick it out on the clay uh, particularly if she was going to fe- be feeling uncomfortable I think if she wasn't that uncomfortable or stressed about the US Open if she was somebody because there are plenty of players who just don't really seem to be too bothered at all they just want to play then I'm maybe she would have gone from Prague to uh to the states and, and played there but i think if it's, it's just about if you're kind of uncomfortable and unsure it's just something will tip you over in one direction and i think her winning in prague just was like yeah okay let's just stick it out in europe i'm good i won this tournament i've got a good chance in rome and roland garros and that'd be great six of the wta top 10 will not be in flushing meadows and of the seven of the top 10 who are based outside of America, only Carolina Pliskova will be in New York. It's obviously easier for those US-based players to make that journey, to make that decision to go there. Pliskova, as we talk now, is going to be the top seed going in. And someone asked the question, well, is it, you know, how devalued is it without Halep? Look, it's a blow to lose Simona Halep. It was a blow to lose Ash Barty, et cetera, et cetera. But within what is currently the top eight seeds, You've got four players who've won Grand Slams. Serena Williams, got 23. You've got Naomi Osaka, who's got a couple. You've got Petra Kvitova, who's got a couple. And you've got Sophia Kennan, who won Australia at the start of the year. You've got a couple in Madison Keys and Karen Pliska have been to the final of Grand Slams. Only Arena Sabalenka from the eight has not been to a Grand Slam final. And I think the other thing for me, I don't know if you agree, is I think it would have been more of a blow 
if this had happened in the men's side because you've got the strength and depth in the women's game. More of a strength and depth. Yeah, there haven't been three, well, five in total, but three plus kind of two halves hogging all of the slams yep. <laughs> over the last. <laughs> it's really bad. That's awful. I've just called Andy Murray and Stan Vavrinka halves of players. <laughs> You're having that's a day today, terrible. aren't you? I mean, oh my god, that's one of the worst things roll. I've ever said. Can you imagine that? Oh no, that's not what I meant. Just in terms of the volume of slams that they've won, you, you just carry on trying no. to get yourself out of this situation. Oh, no, no, carry on. I didn't mean. It. I'm okay, not helping. Actually, okay, after my lack of sympathy, I'm not helping. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take that back. That was terrible. Five people have hogged all the grand slams for what seems like forever. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, no, I can't believe it. I don't think I've ever said anything critical about Andy Murray in my life. <laughs> this is so awful. Um, uh, uh, yes, I'm quite shocked. I, I can't I continue. Can t- I'm just looking at you. You're sort of continue. a bit like, where was I going? What was I talking about? Strength in, strength and depth in the women's yes, game. Yes, exactly. Whereas, of course, we've had lots of top 20 winners. Really, every yeah. slam we've been looking at for the past few years if you're in the top 20, you've got a chance. Yes, we probably say the favourites have been up at the top end, but yep. top 20 players uh, have come through and won. Uh, not that all of them have been that surprising, to be to be honest. Some have been more surprising than, than others. I mean, of course, Ostapenko, that was a surprise. Uh, I'd even say that Kenin was a bit of a surprise. Like, yes. I mean, you now look at her and you're like, yeah, of course she's a Grand Slam champion, but... Before the the Australian Open, it was like, she'll win a Grand Slam in the next couple of years, sure. And then she's like, oh, yeah, this one. I'm here. Why not? Let's just do, yeah. do this one. And you're okay. <laughs> um, so it's been great. And I think there's been a real sort of shift in the women's game. I think that the level has improved out of sight in terms of in that top 20, that top 10. I mean, it is jam-packed now. Uh, it's really, really tough. So, um, yeah. I mean, unless we lost the entire top 20, I don't think that the level of tennis we're watching would be any lower than it would have been. Does it feel one for the big hitters? Because in recent times, we've had wins for Wozniacki, Hallett, Kerber, you know, the type of road I'm going down in terms of player. But those names I just reeled off in terms of your top eight seeds alone, we have got some powerful big hitting players in that top eight. That is true, actually. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, with the Pliskova, Kvitova, Serena, of course. So Sabalenka. Sabalenka, yeah. Madison Keys is in there. I mean, it, it, it feels that maybe this is going to be one for a big, powerful hitter. Have we got any counterpunches in the top eight seeds? I don't think we have. No, uh, We've got no Svitolina, no Halep. No. Interesting. No, you haven't. Yeah, it, it's basically... It's big hitters from, I think, Petra, Petra Martic is at eight. Right, okay. And then you'll have, I think, Johanna Conta comes in at nine in terms of how the seedings are. But aside from She's that... She's a big hitter. Aside from that, you've you've got big, powerful, powerful players making up that. Wow, okay. So we're going to be bracing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that it is a very valid point because that means that I think there is room for one of the lower ranked, when I say lower ranked outside the top 10, counterpunchers to come through. Because with the big hitters, they don't like playing counterpunchers so much. And if you get a counterpuncher that's playing well, really in form, they could kind of make a really good run of this. Um, for sure, cause a, an upset or two and potentially go deep. So um, I'd be very surprised, actually, if we had, I mean, 
you just look at the history of the the grand the WTA Grand Slams over the past few years. It's a ridiculous thing to say, but if the top eight seeds were in the quarterfinals, <laughs> like that's ever happened. But I would be very surprised if actually if it was top seed heavy. I think that there will be a lot of players breaking through there because. Um, as I say, those counter punches can be very disruptive. And the problem with the big hitters is that you've got to play at that level every single match. That's seven matches over two weeks. It's very tough to sustain. Now they've done it. We've seen it happen. Kvitova and as you were saying, all of these players, they have managed to do it. But yeah, I, I think so. if the draw is a little unkind and they get those kind of gritty counter punches who are sitting at sort of 14, 16, that sort of thing, I think that, that could be tough. Is this going to be a Grand Slam with an asterisk by it? There was a really good piece by our friend Reem Abalel and there's some quotes in there from Sloane Stevens about how, how we are going to look back on the US Open, is it devalued? Because look, every Grand Slam, there will be big players who are not there through injury and illness. But because of the situation, is it going to be devalued? Is there going to be an asterisk? Is it going to be, oh yes, but that was the year that that happened rather than that person won the 2020 US Open? Currently, not right now, not for me. Not unless a lot more people pulled out. I think you'd have to be significantly down on the quality that's there because ultimately there's only two people in the final and the quality will come through. You're not going to get somebody who's not worthy of winning a Grand Slam getting to the final with this sort of field. No way. But will you look back at it and say, yes, she won it, but X, Y and Z weren't there? No, no, I don't don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. Unless anything changes. If another 10 people from the top 20 pull out, well then, yes. If we lose Serena and we, you know, we lose Kvitova and we lose all of the, the, the threats, then sure, I'd be saying, well, actually, the, what we're looking at, we're not looking at Grand Slam champions potentially winning this Grand Slam. But for me, we are. We've got loads of them in there. You can make an argument for any of them winning this US Open at any time, whether it was last year, next year, with the full field, um, pandemic no pandemic Halep no Halep like I think you could make an argument for any of them so that no not at all um I think to be honest there's probably more of an asterisk next to Roland Garros with the fact that it's the final will be in October be the beginning of October like that I mean that's a very different Roland Garros and also without having a clay court build up and that sort of stuff like I think yeah for me if when in five years' time, when we look back at 2020, that will be the slam. It will be no Wimbledon, and it will be some sort of funky Roland Garros that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then US Open, it was US Open, but just with no crowd, and Australia, well, weren't they lucky? I just keep thinking about how cold it's going to be <laughs> if Roland Garros... <laughs> yeah, I know. But, it, but, but that's going to really yeah. change things, because you know, you know that Rafa loves a hot Roland Garros. He loves a nice warm, lively, springy Roland Garros. He doesn't always nope. get it, to be honest, in May, and he still manages to win, but he would quite like a lively <laughs> Roland Garros. We've got the roof as well. Um, but I think that, yeah, potentially that could, it, it could, it could make a difference. But um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But again, look, whoever wins these slams, totally worthy of it. I mean, do you feel like it's different? I mean, you're going to be working on it as I am. The, the US Open or both? Or... Yeah, do you feel like you'd be working on a lesser tournament? 
it's it's going to be there's so many things that are going to be different about it firstly we're going to be doing it remotely so we're going to be working on it from the UK secondly there are going to be no CVS there's going to be no CVS (laughs) shopping at three and then what I was suddenly thinking oh wow how can I maybe contact a friend send me some but yes no and I did get a few messages after that podcast saying they too have done the the middle of the night early morning trip to CVS so no CVS shopping um so we're going to be working on it from here which which is different when you are, especially for Grand Slam, you're not on site. There's no fans for the US Open, which is something else in these in Arthur Ashe Stadium with, with no fans. It's yes, I've sat out there and watched many, many a practice session, but actually in a match situation, it's be different. I think there's enough. There's enough big names. There's enough stories for it not to feel that different. Because as I say, you'll always get Grand Slams when there are players missing for different reasons. I think, yet yeah, if they suddenly lost Serena Williams, that would be an enormous blow on the WTA side of things. If we didn't have the regular presence of, of Novak Djokovic, that would make things look a little bit different on the men's side. Although we've still got the Dominic teams, the Sitsapas, the Mevedevs, the Zverev, that sort of young breed, the next generation who have established themselves. But, but, I can't promise that in years to come, I won't say, um, I don't know, Arena Sabalenka won the 2020 US Open, but six of the world's top 10 weren't there. And I can't promise that I won't add a few things into, it won't just be the oh, winner. So it would be, Astros. I, I think there might be a little bit. So who won Wimbledon in 2019? Simona Hallett beat Serena Williams an amazing final she played and that's pretty much how it would end the US Open I might say yeah Arena Sabalenka won it it was a strange year though because we were in the midst of a pandemic and we were missing six of the world's top 10 so okay but what if okay and I, I get what you're saying and I think a lot of people are having this discussion but what if Sabalenka won it by beating Serena in the final who has been in a lot of Grand Slam finals in recent years so that is a normal thing to happen in a, in a in a slam, right? That's not abnormal to be beating Serena in the final. And it's still a still a little bit abnormal to beat Serena Williams in a grand. Well, slam Well, she's final. made four Grand Slam finals since she's come back from having a baby, and it still feels a little bit abnormal because she's lost them all in straight sets. It still feels a little. But bit she abnormal. got there. Like <laughs> Andreescu beat Serena Williams in the final. Naomi Osaka beat Serena Williams in the final. But it felt a bit strange, right? That felt a bit strange. Did it not? No, I think I think the very first Wimbledon, it it felt a yep. little bit like, you know, things opened up for her. It felt like the red carpet was rolled out. I remember we talking. I remember commentating on Madison Keys who lost a round before playing Serena Williams because it got in her head that she was going to be playing Serena Williams. I mean, yep. that is the level of aura we're dealing with. She's knocking people out before they even walk onto court. They haven't <laughs> even won their match yeah, before. True. So there was that part of it. But I think the other the other three, no question, she was the, the second best player in the tournament. Okay, so sorry. So what you're saying? So if if Sabalenka beats Serena Williams in the final, beats Serena in the final, yep. and she beats who else is going to be there? Osaka in the semis, and she beat Pliskova before that. And like, I mean, imagine if that was her run. I mean, how could you possibly put an asterisk next to that? I honestly think, from a news point of view, if Sabalenka. I love watching Sabalenka play and I'd love her to win. And I do believe she win a Grand Slam title. But if she were to beat Serena Williams in the US Open final, I truly believe the story would be Serena Williams losing a fifth Grand Slam final since returning from becoming a mum, 
being so close to that record. So I think, to be honest, yes, okay, I think, yeah, I understand. That, I think but if, it wouldn't, it, but but that that has been the case in all of the finals that she has she has lost since she's come back. So like, but you know, Halep still won Wimbledon. I still think if Sabalenka were to beat. Pliskova, Osaka, then Williams on her way to the title. Of course, you would... Look, whoever wins it, 100% will deserve to be US Open champion. I'm not saying that they're beating but a lesser field. But I still think in brackets after it, there would be a little bit... It was in the midst of a pandemic. There were a lot of people missing. Not to devalue it, just to explain the situation. I don't think you can talk about anything in 2020 without putting those other bits in. I think it is very hard to do that. So Roland Garros, should it happen, and we hope it goes ahead, was it a different time of year? Was in the midst of a pandemic? There will also be players who are missing. I, I think it's going to be really hard just to say Sabalenka won the US Open in 2020 full stop. I think it would be very hard to put that full right. stop there. I, I, yeah, and I, I can see what you mean. I just... It, I mean, for me, it depends on the run. For me, you it depends on the run. You can't ignore everything else. They're in a bubble. There are no fans. The pandemic is still raging in parts of the world. I just, I know it's a tennis tournament and that's what we're focusing on. But I just, I think it's very hard. In the record books, under 2020, it will have Arena Sabalenka. Look, she's going to lose first round now. <laughs> it will have Arena Sabalenka as champion. And it won't have, in brackets... The year of the pandemic. We've been really but bigging up think... Arena, haven't we? <laughs> she better play well. <laughs> but I just think that when we talk about it, when it's looked back on, yeah, I, I do believe there'll be an asterisk. But I, I can't. I just can't see how there cannot be an asterisk. And it's not a devaluing asterisk. I just cannot see how this and the French Open can be played without an asterisk by them this year. I kind of agree with the French Open because it's at a completely different time of year which for me means it's just, it's not normal. It's not a normal Roland Garros. Empty Arthur Ashe Stadium, US Open final. That's not normal. It's not normal, but it's the tournament's the tournament. Like there are certain sports. I've been, it's been interesting watching all the sports start up again. I think there are certain sports that are really affected by the lack of crowd. I don't think tennis is one of them. Yes, we've talked about how painful it might be for somebody like Sabalenka to win her first slam and have no one there to see it have her family on zoom (laughs) afterwards like they were doing on the golf but things like tennis things like golf where the action there is silence anyway and also a lot of the time there aren't many crowds uh, about the place I think that I can totally understand it but you know I really do feel for the footballers it's definitely taken a hit on the level that they're able to put out on the pitch And, and like watching boxing as well I mean, you just kind of realise how much the crowd lifts you. I mean, you're getting yeah. hit in the face and like no one's even watching. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> awful. Um, but, you know, you land a couple of good punches and the crowd really get involved. And I think something like that must be so hard. You need, you desperately need that extra lift and adrenaline and motivation, you know, because you're, you're in fight, flight, or, fight or flight anyway. Um, but I just don't think tennis is going to be that affected. So, yes, I think it will affect the atmosphere. It will affect what we're watching. It will affect what the viewers see. I think it will affect the, um, the like the, whoever lifts the trophy. I think that will have a massive impact. Do I think the lack of crowd will affect the tennis on court? I've had a lot of time to think about it, and I actually don't believe it will. I think 
The lack of tennis over the past few months might affect the tennis on court, particularly in the early rounds, only having one tournament. And we know there are a lot of players that like to play week after week after week to get their level up. And that if they don't play for a while, they just come back and are pretty terrible. So, yeah, that is going to cause a little bit of a problem. So, yeah, that's slightly different. But for me, the US Open is happening when the US Open should have happened. The, the champions is going to be crowned when they should have been crowned. And they're going to have had to have beaten some unbelievable players to get there. As I say, Roland Garros is like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? We got like, you know, there's going to be like Christmas lights up in places, and there's going to be like a Christmas stall it's be out. Cold. Uh, I never. Well, we've sometimes been cold in May. I mean, the weather last year, whew, that was brutal that second week, wasn't I, it? I never pack the right clothes because, as I say, I, it's Paris in, the, <laughs> Paris in the springtime. So I'm like, I'm going spring wear. Um, this time I'm going full on ski wear. And there's going to be Christmas music playing on the radio. It starts in October. And it I starts did, yeah, in but I love sometimes. that. I know you won't like that, but I love that. I, love I know, it. but you're at Roland Garros. What on earth is going on? I, think I will have a complete meltdown. Might make it feel kind of Christmassy and quite cosy. I don't know. There might be. <laughs> Can you imagine if they put a big Christmas tree up? <laughs> in a glass of mulled wine. I just it's all feeling. It it is it is weird. I think lovely. It's 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 going to be a little bit weird to get your head round when it's actually being played. And the fact it's going to get darker so much earlier. And this year we're going to have a few matches under the floodlights when it gets to the quarterfinal stage. It's just, it's all, and at the moment they are selling tickets. I mean, whether that changes because things are changing in France at the moment with cases, especially I think Marseille and Paris has seen the two highest rises in cases of coronavirus. So whether that change, we know Rome has now gone back into Madrid slots. So there's a week's break before Roland Garros, but but whether that changes with crowds, so we could still find ourselves at an empty Roland Garros. I mean, I'm expecting an empty Roland Garros. To be honest, it seems a little optimistic to uh, <laughs> to have been. I mean, look, you can only work with the information you've got at the time. You can't try and second guess this thing, right? So you've got to just plow on with where you're at. And you know, six weeks ago, things were looking much better in Paris than they yeah. are now. But I suppose. What I'm just trying to say is that the differences at the US Open, for me, are quite small. I don't believe that um, it makes the biggest amount of difference. So I don't believe it should have an asterisk. But when it comes to Roland Garros, it's like it's like six months later than it should be. Maybe even longer. Like <laughs> So the asterisk is because of the time of year, the temperature change, no, the everything change. The asterisk is just that the whole tournament has essentially moved. It's totally different. It's, it's but a, it's in the same place. It's the same courts. It's the same people. It's just different temperature. Yeah, but I mean, if we think that we've got, I, I don't know, we're, we're going to be missing people in Roland Garros as well. It's not going to be a full field. It might be, be better than the US Open, but it's not going to be... Full. I can't see that. But for you, the, the the asterisk is because it's not in May. May and June, it's in September, October. No, that's not necessarily it. It's just that I feel like... But everything else is the same. There's no, still like baguettes. <laughs> There'll be baguettes around every corner. <laughs> <laughs> everything else, apart from it getting darker a little bit earlier and you maybe needing a jumper, will be the same. And the roof. <laughs> we have a roof. But it's the same clay surface that they've kept. Everything around it is different. So even the surface of Chatrier is the same. Can we just say that the roof <laughs> looks incredible, doesn't it? It looks, it looks phenomenal. I mean, talk about a spaceship. It looks I, like it could lift off. <laughs> it's, it looks so good. And you know when they did the initial drawings, I was yeah. a bit kind of like, 
oh, they could have done better with that. Like, it's good. It's a <laughs> <Did> roof. <laughs> but I just kind of... Oh, do you know what I mean? I was I like, love oh, that. at least do something a bit more creative or whatever. Oh, my God, it looks amazing. <laughs> Kane Shikori tested positive yes. in Florida before he left. So released a statement saying... I don't feel too bad. I'm largely asymptomatic, but I will not be traveling. So that's just one thing to say about that's happened. And I don't, can he get back for the US Open? Has he got enough time? Well, I suppose he can because there's enough time, but I, I don't know. I mean, you don't know how far into having it he is, right? Because however long it lasts in your system before you recover, like he's tested positive, but this could be day one. It could be day 10. You don't really know. So... Um, I suppose he can make the US Open. Well, if he's largely asymptomatic, that's great. But as you say, he has to see if any more symptoms develop and how he feels physically, because going back to Grigor Dimitrov, as fit as you are and as able as you are, it can knock you down. So that will be uh, such a shame. I think he was he was about to get on the plane, wasn't he? This was literally bags packed. He was ready and, and had the test. So he will not be in Cincinnati. Something you will love to talk about is the latest Forbes Rich List. You love talking yes. about Forbes Rich List. <laughs> well, can you see why? I, I, I can, on this occasion, I can, nine of the world's 10 highest paid female athletes, according to Forbes, are tennis players. Nine of the 10. It's almost like it's the biggest sport in the world for women. <laughs> can you guess the nine or do you want me to, t- do you want to have a go at guess? Do you want oh, to see how many okay. of the nine I you don't, can get? Come on, let's I did have a look, but I don't have it in front of me, so I should be okay. Well, right. Naomi Osaka. Yeah, I can see you're not, I see you're not looking at, yeah, she's top of the pile. Yeah, 30 something million. Yeah. A lot. And actually, this is, and I remember it because it said it's from June uh, 2019 to June 2020, which is actually relevant because Osaka didn't win a slam yeah, in that period yeah. of time. This is all endorsements, really. She won a couple of million in prize money, but, you know, meh. When it's broken down, yeah, the prize money is largely, I think for all of them, basically in single figures. But then it comes the endorsements and she is she's pretty much off the scale. Well, I think I'm going to struggle as we go through the nine, though. But then it's Serena, of course. Yeah. And you don't have to do it in order, just throw no, me But those two are in order. And do it in order. Okay. And then you've got Ashley Barty. Now, yep. Ash Barty, I find really interesting because... She picked up over $10 million in prize money alone. And that is one thing I say every time I will say it again. Tennis is the only sport that you can earn multi-millions purely on your performance. Nothing to do with marketability. Nothing to do with endorsements. Nothing to do with how you look, whether you smile, whether you're friendly, whether you're nice. You could just, you, you, you don't have to do that at all. You don't have to have any watch deals, any anything. Not that Ash Barty doesn't have endorsements and not that she can have endorsements, but just that... Hers was very prize money based because I tell you what, you win the WTA finals in Shenzhen. That is $4.4 million in the bank. Unreal. Like it's the biggest prize pot in tennis, full stop. We'll see if the men respond at some point. We have to remember, she's been on every Vegemite pot that's probably ever been produced in Australia. Yeah, but based on her earnings, they're not paying her that much. (laughs) (laughs) It's no Osaka, is it? Um, So... Yeah, so Osaka, Serena, Barty. Barty, right. Who's um, next? I'm... This surprised me who was next, actually. <sighs> or this next, this name surprised me. I mean, I kind of want to say Magarutha. Yep. Was she next? Yep. Oh, no way. Uh, 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 at this point, my order goes a bit 
yeah awry. we're kind of guessing that. so I would but say she's definitely she's definitely in the top 10 i've got to i've got to put wozniaki in there because i know she retired in january but no she's not in there no oh. no also can i just say on the ashley barty thing yes that time period she didn't win a slam because that does not include roland garros it started in june 2019 yeah. so that's post roland garros win uh, so that is to rack up that much prize money. Asaka, Williams, yes. Barty, Muguruza. Now, as I say, our order goes a little bit awry. So just oh. no, no Wozniacki in no, there. No was Because she's always been up there with her endorsements, isn't she? Yeah. And no Sharapova. No Sharapova. No Sharapova. No Sharapova. Okay. Sugarpova still doing well, but no Sharapova. Um, Halep. Yep. Big superstar in Romania. Got four more to find. And then Alex Morgan is the only non-tennis player, the footballer, at 10. So you've got four more okay. tennis well, players. Well, I'm just going to logically go for Grand Slammers. I mean, Andreescu must have signed some serious deals. Yep. Uh, she also won some big tournaments. Yep. <laughs> she's. <laughs> I, I know she's not, but it kind of seems like she's like, oh, this tournament's worth a lot of money. I'll win this one. <laughs> 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 With how she does it. Um, so, wait, who did I just say? I said Andreescu. Yep. You've got three more to find. So stick on your, for a couple of them, stick on your Grand Slam winning track. So Kenin. Yep. Uh, who, has, who else won a Grand Slam? Well, <laughs> not has won. Oh, but didn't in this time period. Yep. Uh, Did she? What, recently? They've won it recently. Now I'm struggling a bit. Actually, she's, she's won fairly recently. How much money did they earn in this time? Do you have it on you? No. Okay, fine. Is this the night? Would, would that have even helped you if I gave you the amount <laughs> oh, they had won? That wouldn't have helped you. It's just nice to hear it. It's a lot, you know. She is German. Oh, Curbs. Oh, yeah, of course. She's got yeah. some good endorsements. I, that, that's silly of me. I should have known and that. And then the the other one is a non-Grand Slam winner. Ooh. Our only non-Grand Slam winner. On this list. Of this nine. She is quite big on Instagram with her boyfriend. Oh, Svitz. Alina Svitolina. But she plays a lot of tennis. When she's fit, she plays she's a lot of tennis. It. Yeah. She turns up a lot of tournaments. She goes deep in a lot of tournaments, plays a lot of tournaments. So she is also, and I think she's got a fair amount of endorsements. But yeah, apart from Ash Barty, whose prize money was in the double figures, for the rest of them, it was kind of single figure prize money. But the endorsements, especially Asaka and Williams, was up in the 30s. Yeah. I mean, but it's so impressive, right? Isn't it? It's just, for me... It's only one element and it's only money and that's not the reason that everybody plays. But it just shows, I mean, in terms of the opportunities that the WTA provides, it's absolutely huge. And these are the best yeah. athletes in the world. And the rest of the world has kind of figured out that tennis is the biggest thing you can be doing. Um, yeah, in the UK, we're not so switched on to that, I suppose. Um, but I, what I would say as well is that the other sports are coming. I know it was Alex Morgan, wasn't it? The footballer, American yep. footballer who came in at 10th. Um, and yeah, the other sports are coming. They've all kind of gone through that becoming professional. I say they all have, but a lot of sports have. Uh, so we're going to see other sports infiltrate that top 10, I have no doubt, especially with some superstars and, and that sort of thing. But as I say, still to this day, with tennis, you don't have to be a superstar like we see with Svitolina. She's not won a Grand Slam. You don't have to be number one in the world uh, to be 
up at that level and you don't have to be marketable you don't have to have the endorsements and you can still be comfortably in the top 10 you can be right up there you're never going to be number one especially with Osaka doing ridiculous things I mean and Osaka broke the record didn't she for female earnings in sport absolutely smashing it well done girls it's 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 incredible when you think her potential and how how young she is so I thought you'd I thought you'd like to end on that list I thought that would bring a smile to your face and also the fact that Although I tell you that the lack of sympathy I've had from you and empathy in this podcast, I was about to say, I am still looking forward to working with you oh, that's nice. <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> and I'm just excited just looking on social media, seeing the players. It's a bit weird. Oh, well, No, it's not weird because they would be practicing in empty stadiums at Flushing Meadows. So no, that's not weird. But it's just been nice seeing them they're using the corporate boxes as rooms for the players so you're getting sort of instagram videos of i think there was sasha's in in his box i guess that's going to be his for the next two or three weeks it's just nice to see the players coming together it's nice to see the players at flushing meadows and the fact that all being well and if nothing changes in the next few days we're going to have top level tennis back on our tvs and radios i can't wait really excited the wta tour has been fantastic we've had a really good level of tennis and we've had some rust to bust that's for sure from the players <laughs> um, but yeah they but by the end of the tournament it was looking good why are you laughing we've had some rust to bust i feel like you've been thinking about Come that on. i don't know you probably haven't you're gonna but use i feel that. like you've been you've been thinking about it and working out when to put it in we've had some rust to it's bust. a rust buster now, it's we now i'm not going to put the word trauma in it but i've got something else difficult to do today i can't cope with this and and this is just it's it's school uniform because before we went away which was a good three four weeks ago i ordered the school uniform due to coronavirus due to the amount hasn't arrived so as things stand one of the twins when he goes back to school is wearing a crop top instead of a jumper because it's that short right okay so so Today I've got to find school uniform with logo, right size, and it's very difficult. Okay. Good luck. Oh, one day, one day, one day, Cavaday, one day you when think? you come to I'm me sure. and I get a and I get a message from you one day saying, I'm having all this trouble with school uniform or or school shoes. I'm just I'm gonna be out for the day. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be busy. <laughs> Look, do you know what? <laughs> Genuinely, I wish you the best of luck. I don't believe it. I'm going. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>